The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation. If, if you <laughs> want to create a Bitmoji classroom, just friggin' do it. Yeah. I don't give a damn. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss the return to school for many districts, the pros and cons of the Bitmoji Classroom. And our guest this week is amazing educator and friend of the podcast, Steve Isaacs. So I was just telling you, it's like 84, 85 degrees in my house. It mm, is toasty. hot. <laughs> hot. It's like a sweat lodge in my office. So no air conditioning. For five days. Um, it's there's, They're apparently the... the I haven't really had like proper air conditioning almost all of August. Mm. Um, it got it got repaired once, and then it and then it, it, it and then it stopped working. And then um, people came back a couple three four days later um, and fixed a part. And then they obviously broke something else, and the Freon all leaked out of the compressor. Or Jeez. the condenser, I guess is the word. Mm. So they have to come tomorrow and do a, whatever they call a leak test to find out where the Freon is leaking out. Mm. And then they got to refill the Freon. And oh, my God, Nightmare. it is so hot. So um, and I had to I had to do a 24 hour live stream. So that's <laughs> yes, that is when you do. I did not sleep for 39 hours. I played video games with Steve. Wow. And, and a bunch of other Steve Isaacs and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and raised twenty seven hundred dollars for charity, um, all in a office that was like twenty or, or I was going to say it in Celsius, <laughs> twenty seven Celsius. Like it was in the mid eighties. Wow! The entire time I was streaming, that is baking. Uh, so hot. Yeah, that's uh, super uncomfortable. I bet humid too. It was awful. Yes, <laughs> it was pretty bad. So, um, but, but what a, what a wild weekend. Uh, I'm still recovering. I'm still like feeling a little weird, tired mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. But you know, uh, 2,700 bucks, uh, is, is a lot of money. Um, we launched my Minecraft server, uh, which is pretty exciting. So, uh, I've been working on getting this server ready for a few months now. Um, and it's launched. We're going to actually put the allow list request in the show notes. So listen, friends, if you want to play Minecraft and you're an educator and you're listening right now and you just want a place where you can play, just play. Like mm. we've said, we say it all the time, you know. That the biggest barrier, the largest barrier in my mind to educators learning about how to use Minecraft in the classroom is that they just don't have the space to play. Mm -hmm. Come play. You know, if you're an educator, the allow list link is in the show notes. Mm. Click on the allow list link. Fill out the form. I'll take a look at it. You can ping me on Twitter to tell me that you did it. 
um, and come play Minecraft with us. We have an awesome set of servers. There's a creative server and a survival server. It's a ton of fun. There's always people on it. Um, and, and there's lots going on. There's a Discord server as well um, that you can chat with people. Um, so please, you know, come and play Glenn. Glenn, come play Minecraft with us. <laughs> I will at some point. I will. Um, I was just thinking about that barrier to entry, not only to just the concept of game-based learning. And I think a lot of times people haven't experienced um, – what is the educational side of games. And so they see games as an entertainment form, which it is, mm-hmm. um, but they haven't um, seen them in this type of form. And when you are around other educators in, in this, whether it be in the server or you're actually, you know, taking in videos as far as from YouTube or whatever you're actually doing, as far as you're going to get ideas mm-hmm. And then those ideas will spawn into what actually fits for your classroom, your students, uh, your specific lessons that you're th- that you're thinking about, um, b- because that's kind of it, it'll it will spark those things. But without actually going and experiencing, it's really difficult to describe. Whenever you're uh, like, for example, my parents, if I would ever try to describe Minecraft to them, they're not video game people, and they have no idea what, what it is. They've seen the little figurines, whatever it might be. It's really difficult to explain until you're in the environment doing the stuff. And then in this case, being able to do it with a bunch, uh, being able to uh, experience it with a bunch of other educators, I think is a great platform. You nailed it. Um, I I have this in the notes. I don't know if there's anything like this in the States. And you were a little like thrown off when I told you about it. So I'm <laughs> assuming that there might not be. But so... Um, uh, Ontario educators will know what I'm talking about. And I'm not sure if this is anywhere in Canada does this. But in Ontario, if you are a public service employee, if you are essentially paid by the government, um, which, you know, is is fire, um, you know, health, um, utilities, uh, all paid, all paid from taxes. Right. And education is also paid from taxes. If you make more than a hundred thousand dollars a year, your name is published in um, what they call it the sunshine list. <laughs> mm. um, you know, which is, I guess, to insinuate that you've got it. You've got it made. Life is <laughs> life is good. You know, and I got news for people. Um, but anyways, um, uh, so. You know, there's always been educators in the Sunshine List uh, because, you know, higher level administrators and stuff like that, um, um, you know, will tend to make, you know, hundreds of thousands, hundred thousand dollars a year. And but this is mostly used to keep like and I was telling Glenn, this is mostly used to keep like public sector executives honest so they don't pay themselves fat bonuses and Mm. you know so like the big article that always comes out related to the sunshine list in the newspaper is you know the ceo of um ontario hydro or something like that gets paid like 6.8 million dollars some hospital ceo gets paid like one and a half million dollars or some nonsense like that right like and those those end up breaking and and because it's public Um, but what happened this year is unique so um it it, with the combined um collective bargaining um 
you know, um, agreement that was started in, in the spring and the new raises that kicked in for educators in August, just before they go back to school, Mm. um, what has happened is, um, all of the educators that are um, what are called what's called A four in Ontario, which is the um, the maximum amount of um, senior years, sorry, of service, or no, it's yeah, ten years at A four. So A four is um, your level of like extra education. Yeah. Um, so this is like your your university credits that you would go and, and get sure, it, additional sure. credits. Um, in Ontario, we've talked about this a little bit before. We talked about they're called AQs in 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 Ontario, additional qualifications. So, so the highest level of the lanes, we call it lanes, as far as the yeah. things. Okay. So A four yeah, is like the max level of okay. all of that, and then ten years is where the 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 pay scale tops out. Okay. So when you're A4 at 10 years, that's the most you can possibly get paid. Well, all of those A4 at 10 years now make just over $100,000. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So that's thousands of teachers are now on the sunshine list. Wow. Congratulations. And Cheryl is Tom. one of them. So that's what we were, <laughs> and that's what we were talking about is that Cheryl's <laughs> name is now public because she is A4... Ten. Mm. She's actually sixteen years teaching. Yeah. Um. So. So. But she makes just over a hundred grand, and it brought up a lot of really interesting conversations. You know, between us, but also you and I, and then between Cheryl and I, we were talking about it because you know there are tons of educators in the United States that are listening to me now and just <laughs> screaming. At like their, what? audio player of choice that they've been teaching for 25 years Mm -hmm. and taken like university credits like maxed out multiple a year and still make like fifty five thousand dollars a year yeah yeah i mean uh, some states are average salary is still in the low 30s so (laughs) that's just yeah that seems like unbelievable though i know that there are states um california uh, some of the East Coast states that their salary grids would be probably comparable to that mm-hmm. uh, because of, but it's also because it is super expensive, obviously, to live in these places. But so I don't know as far as cost of living, what that, what that equals out. Yeah, like imagine yeah. being an educator and living in right in like Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't, I don't even know how people do it. But to I think, live if you weren't making hundred grand a year. Yeah, I think a lot of people that live there, you know, commute in, you know, uh, from yeah. New Jersey or from wherever else. So yeah, no, that's super interesting. And congrats to all those educators because maybe thousands, maybe one day, the United States with a different president. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, things, maybe you'll have your own. Possible. I mean, it, it, it's, well, I, I got like, I went down a rabbit hole thinking about this a little, which is why it's still on here, because I was thinking about like the culture of the United States where like, like Americans, uh, you know, the, the monolithic Americans, right? The royal, the royal we, let's say, wants, you know, transparency and, um, you know, you know, everything to be out in the open, but also wants privacy and, True. and, you know, not wanting, you know, to, to share, you know, things like how much people get paid, well, for in, example. In, in, and it's in like, public education, we do do that too, but it's not printed like that. I mean, this was an interest. I went to that art, to that link. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Um, 
but all of our that's an official government link like we'll yeah. put it in the show notes so you can all of see. our all of our salaries are public knowledge yeah. and i think in some newspapers i'm not exactly sure in some states they may post the grids or the person and then what salary they are actually specifically making each year so you can yeah. go look up exactly what i made you know whatever year um because it is public you know domain as as you described it's very yeah. similar in that way i just thought it was interesting and interesting that they call it the sunshine list yeah and, and i mean there'll be a newspaper every year there's a newspaper article where they publish like the juicy ones the ones that like i said are interesting yeah. the ones they want to millions they, the ones they want to like out and and make sure people know that you know so-and-so took a half a million dollar bonus, but but still did all of these stupid mistakes or you know, something like that, right? You know what I was right? just thinking about, though, Mike? This is – you were just describing hospital employees because, obviously, it's a public sector, you know, and yeah. in the United States, yeah, it isn't. In, it's in not Ontario, in the United is, States. Yeah. Um, and, um, and the energy sector, you know, that, that was interesting, too. I was like, oh, all of our – energy is privatized you know so it's it, it so that is a little bit foreign but you know what is interesting our highest paid and i was just talking to nicole about this and i'm sure i'll piss some people off when i say this but i don't care um our highest public employees in the united states you know who they are like some of the highest i'm sure that there's some that i'm not thinking of right now but you know who they actually are no college football coaches yeah so, um, <laughs> like for the University of Alabama, um, their head football coach, salary in the millions. So it's like, it's a really weird, and I, I, I don't understand it, that why we couldn't, you know, as educators be in the 100,000 list, you know, and those kinds of things, especially with, you know, at the end, like you just described as far as the end and all those years of service and yeah, it's a really interesting thing. And like I just was saying, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that our college football coaches are the ones that are that are the most lucrative careers in, pu- in the public sector. So maybe someone else will throw out some other public sector jobs in the United States that are actually really highly paid. But even our, our president doesn't make, you know, as far as the amount of money that they make, I think they make a quarter of a million dollars. So it's not like a huge salary that they actually make. Um but it's interesting. Anyway, <laughs> it's it's funny when you when I, I I'm I'm on this I'm I'm in the rabbit hole again. I'm looking at the the so the two most the two highest paid public sector employees uh, according to this in 2019 were both Ontario Power Generation OPG, which is like our our utilities, mm. our power utility. Um, like the, CEOs the, or yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Nine hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars. So not not in the millions. And okay. this would just be this wouldn't be like benefits or bonuses or anything like that. I don't think. Okay. And then there's like hospitals. I'm seeing crown agencies, which would be like governmental departments, um, university uh, people uh, are all you know high five figures. Then yeah, and then there's like a bunch of university uh, people are in the high five figures. Um, you don't really get into like public school boards, uh, uh, school district people probably till, till you get into like the 200,000s. So Mike, I was wrong. I just Googled. Okay. Uh, Nick Saban, 
University of Alabama football coach. I knew it was the University of Alabama football coach, but I, didn't, I forgot his name. Okay, 11, yeah. 11.1 million. The second most highest paid coach, I was actually wrong. It's actually a basketball coach for the University of Kentucky. So just imagine that too, the, the whole controversy of college football or in basketball players and so on and so forth that get paid nothing except yep. for their college tuition. Oh, we're going to pay your education, whatever that amount is. It's a this racket. guy, John Calipari, made $7.75 million last year. Life is good, man. Dude, there's something wrong with that. I, 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 I think that's it. so wrong. I I. Yeah, anyway, it's a different discussion for a different day, but I, I thought I it was interesting. I my calling. I should have been a basketball coach. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. A very highly five, paid one. Five, but that doesn't, we're going to not let, like, I can do anything. They're You're, not going to let, no that's one's just gonna, a technicality. Yeah, no one's going to stop you from that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Nothing stops me. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, Cheryl's on the sunshine list. It's awesome. very cool. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I wanted to talk about um, a few weeks ago, I actually legitimately asked the question, <laughs> and I know people probably thought I was being sarcastic, um, and I seriously wasn't, um, but I wanted to know what was the buzz about this thing called the Bitmoji Classroom. And the reason why I wanted to know, honestly, was because a teacher reached out um, and asked they they saw the bit they saw the bitmoji classroom and they wanted to uh they wanted me to teach them how to set it up and i heard bitmoji classroom i'm like thinking google classroom schoology is it a new lms uh, bitmojis in it you know i was like I, God and, help us. and then I, I then i saw something you know that someone had posted that was like the bitmoji classroom thing and i was like i don't even know what that is you know i looked at it and i'm like i huh i am not I don't understand, I guess. So I asked, like, what is this and what's the controversy? You know, kind of like, give me some some things. So I think people thought I was being sarcastic because there were some, some people right away, like, defending it. <laughs> so the what what is it? Because I actually am still, like, super confused. So the best way I can describe it is it is a um, – in my mind, it looks like a uh, a header for a a digital space. Um, a let's call it. You know, we used to call them. I, I think I did a uh, a session on this about eight nine years ago when Google Slides came out, um, and we did a session on creating uh, interactive slides, right, to take you to. Uh, all kinds of different things. So it would be it would be a, uh, a an image with a bunch of images inside of it, right? Click here, and you'd click it, and it's kind of like a web page. Let's call it a web page, interactive web page. Except in this case, this header thing that you can put on your website or I guess inside of your LMS too um, directs you to their syllabus or a welcome message, right? Uh, but the the cutesy part is that there's a Bitmoji character of the teacher inside of there. Does that make sense? So it's their classroom. Like it's a, you know, since I can't be in my physical space, that's what I'm thinking. That's what these people are saying. They can't be, they're going to recreate their physical space in kind of this 2D world with their Bitmoji character. And then you click here for the welcome message, click here for the syllabus and so on and so forth. So I didn't get number one, 
what the controversy was and number two why it's so popular like that's the two things i was just like okay that's not anything except for the little bitmoji uh character you know as far as adding it into the thing i didn't really think it was something like super innovative but i think a lot of people were spending a lot of time and maybe that was a controversy it was they were spending a whole bunch of time on it then maybe they you know, the controversial part was like, you should be doing this other thing or whatever it might be. So I didn't, I didn't know one thing or the other, but I definitely wanted to bring it up because I didn't know if you had heard of it, number one. And number two, I was just like, I don't even know. Like, you know, this summer, actually this year has <laughs> been... Tell us about this year, Glenn. Tell no, us I about mean, this just, year. Just, I mean, throughout the world <laughs> yeah, has been insane. <laughs> And a whole bunch of other adjectives. Uh, I was you know, people. Say, what word are you going to use? People for this? have used all kinds of other <laughs> more, more uh, descriptive adjectives uh, mm-hmm. to describe this year, and the things that have gone awry. You know, and then it, it, we it, haven't it, even had a presidential election yet, friend. And, and I mean, November hasn't even come. Strap but strap in, no, homie, dude. I mean, already. <laughs> The beginning of the year, the COVID, everybody having to leave school, <laughs> then um, oh. all of the things that then occurred uh, towards the <laughs> end of the year, and all of our you know Black Lives Matter movement, and and now all of us kind of reframing, kind of rethinking everything that we ever did, and 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 in a good way, and going like we need to be better people, which is just amazing. Like I love that out of all of this crap has come all of this good, you know, as, as, as really started a legitimate movement that feels different than anything else as far as in the past. But yet <laughs> there's this bitmoji controversy <laughs> about this thing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care about if you decide to go ahead and do that. Now I'll tell you what though, Mike, I'm not going to be helping anybody with this. This is not something that's on my top of my priority list. If people want to go ahead and explore, you know, how to create engaging lessons, um, and and make sure that they uh, get student voice and choice, uh, hell, game based learning, whatever it might be that they're like passionate about. How do I teach in a virtual setting? Discussions. Uh, how do I manage all of these things? Yes, let's talk about those things. But it just seemed kind of like like a side conversation. Um, there's a there's a station that or a channel that I watch on TV. This kind of reminded me of this that I call Trash TV. Um, do you ever watch Bravo? <laughs> do you know the so channel I, Bravo? Well, so we have Bravo <laughs> okay. up here, but I'm not sure if it's the same or not. But yeah. I'm sure it is. Okay, so anyway, Bravo is is Glenn Irvin's uh, pets. Like uh, no, not a pet peeve. Uh, my. Uh, my dirty secret, let's call it. <laughs> I watch well, tons of shows on Bravo, right? Great. Yes, and they are trash. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you right now, it is trash TV to the ultimate thing. And this felt like one of those side topics where we like to get distracted about things, where it's like, nah, let's redirect our things to please the really important things that are actually going on right now that are right in front of our faces, including the topics that we're about to talk about just in just a sec. Instead of this kind of side, to- <laughs> but many people like me still watch Bravo <laughs> and still want the Bitmoji Classroom and want to talk about it, whether <laughs> for or against it. So, 
Anyway, that I wanted to make sure we brought it up, and I, I, I know I really, we really didn't go anywhere with that, but it's. I think we do this a lot, though. Don't you think oh, we yeah. do this a lot in education? We get we get distracted really easily by really stupid things, yeah. and, and even we by the distraction. I even can call it this. We we even tend to put our money and time and investment in these weird things that truly will never make a difference in student learning or student connection, student relationship, those kinds of things. But we, we tend to, and maybe it's a human nature thing. That's the reason maybe why Bravo TV is so, so popular. It's a human nature thing. We want to see this uh, train wrecks. That's where, you know, this people yelling at each other all crazy and the, it's all super gypsy, fake. The gypsy wedding show. You is know? that on Bravo? Uh, probably Real Housewives big, is, uh, yeah, is uh, yeah. yes, I, I watch many of those shows, but anyway, the dog, the dog, the dog show competition, <laughs> probably people. not like the actual like competition, but like the, but the, the show about the people, yeah, the people, yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. that's high quality, exactly, content high right quality. So, so there you go, listen, you learned I, something about me today, <laughs> yeah, great. So let me let me talk, yeah, wrap for it up. a second to. <laughs> if if you want to create a Bitmoji classroom, just friggin' do it. Yeah, I don't give a damn what you do. <laughs> I really don't. And you know what? To the idiots that care what other people are doing, just please stop <laughs> caring about what other people are doing with their friggin' Bitmoji classrooms. It doesn't matter. It no. doesn't matter to you. If they think that their students will love it, who the hell cares? <laughs> why do we care about... Why is this the shit that we choose to care about? I don't understand. I don't understand why we decide that this is what we needed. This is the hill we need to die on, is uh, Bitmoji classrooms. <laughs> Give your freaking heads a shake, people. It doesn't matter. Uh, make your Bitmoji classrooms. Don't make them. But please don't go be a keyboard warrior on Twitter about it. It doesn't matter. It does. Uh, it just. It, it matters so little. You guys. You guys down there. You have the most consequential election in human history. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just matter to you either. It matters to the whole freaking world. Big time. What happens this fall? And so. If I have to listen to one more knucklehead talk about Bitmoji classrooms like it's the it's going to end someone's class or in any possible way affect your class, which it's not, um, I'm just going to lose it because it just doesn't matter. Just let people do this, 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 whatever this is. I want to say it's nonsense. I just I just don't care. Yeah. Yep. And you shouldn't either. It's just like, you know, tons of other things. If people want to do, if people want to decorate their classrooms like Harry Potter classrooms, oh, let yes. them go and do it. Yeah, who, I remember that. Who cares? Yep. What do you care? What do you care? And I'm sorry if that makes you feel bad because you don't have 20 grand to go and buy, <laughs> you know, but it's like, let them just go do it. What does it matter to you? I'm sorry. Get if you don't over have 20 it, people. Grand. Uh, oh my god i hope that lady did spend we choose to dig our heels in about when there are so, so many, many other, other things. so many things going on yes. in this absolute dumpster fire of a year Oof. i mean 
the Bitmoji classrooms needs to be at the bottom <laughs> of your list. <laughs> of the priorities. <laughs> like, not even there. Like, like let's recalibrate your priority list if you're tweeting about how bad Bitmoji classrooms are. Maybe they're bad. But you know what? Don't do it then. Just don't do it. Cool? Are we okay now? Yeah, yeah. I think we're good. Oh my god, I'm going to lose it. I'm talking about things that do matter. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of please. schools are either have already started because there's been schools that have already been instantly shut down or yes. are about to start like we are. Uh, and a lot of school boards um, have made decisions whether or not they're going to um, go back fully. Are they going to have some sort of a hybrid model or are they going to go virtually? Um, and I wanted to go ahead and talk about it because in my local district, they decided to go ahead and the the local school board to go full face-to-face -face start. Um, and it was based upon our governor basically gave back the local control to, you know, or back, give back local control and said, um, we're going to give you the latest data we're going to support your decisions and in other words by supporting them is uh financially so whatever types of equipment to make sure that this happens safely etc and so on and so forth um and they decided to do that and my goodness it felt like uh, i've i've talked to several colleagues and and of course my wife works there too and it felt like kind of like when somebody really punches you hard in the gut you know and it hurts for an extended period of time where you just feel kind of sick for a while. Every time you kind of think back to like, oh, what is this actually going to mean? Um, and so definitely anxiety levels are up. So we're kind of looking, okay, let's look throughout the country. Because in Minnesota, we don't start like you guys until after this uh, Labor Day. So there are places throughout the country that have already started and some of them you know like we talked about in the in a previous podcast uh for example in georgia where they had to yeah, shut didn't school go down well in georgia didn't uh, go well. we have another article here that i have in nebraska where a bunch yep. of teachers got sick and enough teachers got sick that they had to shut the school down there's no there's not enough teachers we have to shut it down yeah um and so it, it brings a lot of anxiety and, and and you didn't go you guys were like super you were kind of like me, like you two, uh, like my wife doesn't have a problem going out now yeah. a little bit, but I'm still like, I'm in my house. Yeah, many of us. And you didn't leave no, much either. No, we. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast. You were asking me like, when do you, where do you get stuff? I'm like, we have groceries delivered. Yeah, you know, we're trying yeah. to do everything that we possibly can. And it was giving me, you know, like I had talked about before, I was really getting anxious and really angry at people that weren't wearing their masks back before the mask mandate happened here in mm -hmm. Minnesota. And now we're going to go back to a place in our school has um, 400 plus students per class and we have four grades. So we have more than 1600 students in a building, a um, uh, hundred teachers, uh, specifically teachers, um, hundreds more uh, personnel, whether it be an administrative, uh, we're talking about assistants, paraprofessionals, custodians, um, the, our awesome, amazing uh, cooks and bus drivers and everybody else that's associated with the school. And we're all going back and it's like, 
And and at this point, Mike, uh, if we look back at the data from March, you know, when we decided to just go virtual, you know, the whole kind of the country was moving towards that. Um, there was way less cases. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It was like, oh my god, okay, there was way less cases then. We we were trying to do everything we could this summer and stayed away from everybody. We did all the things we were supposed to do. And I'm feeling anxious. It's so from, much worse now than it was in the spring. Yeah, it's big time. Like, big time. I don't understand. I don't understand how it's possibly safer now than it was in March. So, so what is crazy is you start feeling anxious for yourself, but then you really start thinking, "What about my kids? Mm-hmm. You know, like your own kids, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. not your students, which you can call your kids too." And that's I totally get that too. But your own kids, where you're like. What should we do? You know, and I know a lot of parents are pulling their kids and just saying, "I'm just we're just going to go virtually. We we can't, mm-hmm. we just can't do this for pre existing conditions that the parents may have or the kids may already have or whatever it might be." Talk about a really crazy. We knew it was coming as far as the decisions to be made. We just didn't know how we would actually start feeling. Um, so as the weeks start coming, we have basically a few weeks before the start of the school year. It's, I I can already, I can uh, sense the tension of the educators, but I think even our kids are going to be very, I mean, it's going to be like a hazmat type of environment, you know? And, and those parents or the community members that think that it's going to be what normal school was like, which was a caring, um, wonderfully uh, wonderful community where we share things you know and 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 you basically become a family you know type of thing it's going to be very sterile uh very procedurally based very much rule based you know like kind of very strictly enforced kind of things compliance yeah and 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 it's not going to it's those those uh great things that are part of normal type of school some of those things will still be there but it'll be really difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be like we talked about the hugs and the, and the, even a handshake or a fist bump with your with students or you know or or getting close to them and being like, hey, you know, I'm here to support. You know, those type of things. It's going to be very uh, opposite of and that. Kids doing all that with each other too. Exactly. Yeah. So and them, you know, kind of getting together and feeling good, feel whatever might be uh, just, it seems crazy. It seems off. Um, but I guess I will be reporting from the front lines and I'll be telling you how it actually goes. Uh, I wanted to make sure that, uh, we included in our show notes, the clip from, uh, this, uh, Florida governor and the quote basically says something to the effect of, he says that, if our students are asymptomatic, he's the governor of a, of the state. I hate this I mean, guy this guy so is much. just ridiculous. Actually, this is not the governor. This was the – it was either the governor or the um, the Department of Education, the lead of the Department of Education in Florida. He said if the student is – it gets symptoms. He gets COVID. Sorry. Uh, I just clicked on the link. Yeah. The video has been removed. Oh, okay. So if he gets – if he – if the student is gets COVID, right, and they are asymptomatic after twenty four to forty eight hours, he said, you know, you know twenty four to forty eight hours, we're gonna send send them back to school. It's gonna be okay because kids are fine, he said. Kids are fine. That we, you know, they're gonna be okay. Whatever might be, and so much of the data is now saying we just don't know enough 
And you know what we definitely don't know is why we don't know. We've we we stopped in March and said, yeah, maybe we should take a pause here. And we don't have the data because we haven't got these large groups of people, these young kids together yet. So talk about, I mean, it'll be definitely be, we're definitely going to get some data. You know, I mean, we're definitely going to have some data. We're definitely going to have some, some, an experiment uh, for many of us, as far as, you know, can kids transmit it uh, or can they transmit it to each other? Will they get really sick? Can kids die at a high rate? You know, those kinds of things. And it seems like, wow, it's like the last type of, uh, the last people that we would ever want to experiment with, you know, especially when we know so little. You know, yeah. we pretend we know a lot, but we really don't. And that's what, no. that's, you know, all of the experts, the biggest experts, they always said from the beginning, they said, we will compare this to other things because we know of these types of of viruses, these coronaviruses, mm-hmm. but we don't know this specific ones, what its inner workings until it starts kind of going throughout the, you know, as far as the country or the world, sorry. Um so really scary, and I know some other people are feeling the exact same way, and just know that, hey, right here with you, I mean, if you want to let us know about what's happening within your school district or anything that you feel, you know, uh, is crazy or that's happening or no mask, at least we have mask mandates at our school, and we're going to be doing some, I mean, I know that our administration is going to be working tirelessly to try to make it as safe as possible, you know, so I don't blame them at all. They're amazing. They're going to do everything within their power to try to keep us as safe as we possibly can. I just don't know if it's going to be enough because we're, we're going to do the one thing that we shouldn't do, which is be by each other. (laughs) You know, when they, when you were walking down the sidewalk, it reminded me of that time, Mike, and then I'll let you go ahead and talk here. I'm sorry. Um, You were talking one day, you were walking down the sidewalk, and it was probably in May, I think, April or May, and mm-hmm. you were walking with your kids or with Cheryl, and someone was walking towards you, and they didn't move just a little bit over because they, they didn't give you your six feet, and you were uncomfortable, even though you were outside, whatever it might be, because you knew that you should be uncomfortable. Because that's one thing, at least we know that. If you're not, if you can stay a good distance away from each other, you you probably are going to be safe, right? This is the exact opposite. It's like, let's put us all into a building again, and then let's see what let's let's see if the masks and the and dice. the type of things will go ahead and protect us. And by the way, we don't ha- we're not doing a a um, blended or sorry, uh, uh, kind of a off and on type schedule where we could put half of the students in and then half of the students out. You know, it's going to be the students. The students will be at the school, the, all of the students. So the spacing, those kinds of things, like, ooh, tough, man. Um, I'm, I have insane levels of conflict mm. with all of this, um, and I'm scared, I'll be honest, um, in a lot of, like, hundreds of different ways. I mean, Cheryl's a kindergarten teacher. Um, they are not reducing class sizes in mm. Ontario. She is going to be in a class, the same class she's ever had, with 25-ish kids, mm. little kids, Yes, who touch each other and play around with each other and 
Some of them will not know how to follow instructions. No, they're learning some of them. There, there is no K to three mask mandate. Mm-hmm. So none of those kids are going to be wearing masks, or or at least not be forced to wear masks. Um, wow! And and so she has to be in that class. So that's that's Cheryl. difficult. Yes. So that's Cheryl, and then there's Jacob. Jacob, it was supposed to start kindergarten this year. Yeah, he's super excited. So I mean, I'm like, you know, he is one of those kids that loves. Other kids loves to like play with them and be around them and be social. Yes. He's very social. Um, he will, you know, he's good with the mask. He's super comfortable wearing one. We are going to ask him to wear it all day, every day. We're going to ask his teacher um, to help us, help her, help him yes. wear the mask. Um, you know, it's not required, but it's strongly suggested. So, so that's I'm scared for Jacob and I'm scared about all of that. And then there's Isaac who did not do well with distance learning. It's not for him. Mm-hmm. He does not have he needs a teacher in with like in him. He needs a he needs a class. He needs a peers um to be successful. He is a very good student. He was not a good student in remote learning. Mm. Um so, you know, we know that, like, like so both Jacob and Isaac would be allowed to stay home. Like, they're, they've given every parent an option. You can stay home if you want. You can yeah. not send your kids to the physical school. They will be taught remotely by teachers. But we know that that's not the best for either of our kids in terms of, like, their education. Sure. Um, both of them, I think, need teachers. Now, and then there's... And so, like, I'm scared about all of that. And then... And then there's me, and this is like the like super weird part is that I can do every single thing right, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I can wear masks when I go to the grocery. I I literally do not leave the house. I work from home. I am in an office. I have very little contact with people, and I could still die of this damn thing because I could get it from Cheryl or Jacob. Or the kids. Or mm-hmm. Isaac, who got it from someone else. I can do everything right, and I could still get sick. I know. Isn't and that, that crazy? just that that pisses me off more than anything. That that and I'm the most vulnerable in our whole family. You know, because I've I've had like like and we I I don't have like diabetes or anything like that, which makes you vulnerable, but but I've had um um uh, um you know, I've had bronchitis a couple times. I've had lung, um, you know, lung issues and stuff mm. like that. And and that that makes your lungs weaker. And uh, yeah. you know, that makes it. So I am the most vulnerable person in this whole family. And I could do everything right. Yeah. And I could still get sick. Same thing with our any of our other vulnerable members, extended members of families. So it's their parents, obviously the and kids' then it's parents, like our, and then the grandparents. Yeah. And the, like and we the, can't yeah. see Cheryl's parents anymore. They they've been living at Cheryl's parents' house. Mm. We um Cheryl and our two kids are at Cheryl's parents' house right now because our house is like eighty eight degrees sure. right now. Um and, and so I've been staying here and they've been there. Um and they wouldn't be if this was September, they wouldn't be able to do that. Or at least I don't think they, they should do that. Yeah. 
I mean, we. I. I mean, I guess I'd be fine with letting their her their their there are their own people. They can make decisions, but like once we're back to school, I don't think our kids should be coming in contact with their grandparents again. Um, I think it's too dangerous. Yeah, it's so crazy, like we're man. like at multiple levels. This is scary as hell, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm not. I'm not happy about it. Even though, like, and then the the last piece of this before we before we move on mm-hmm. and and talk to our our guest um is is the idea that like i mean we live in ontario canada and we don't even live in toronto we live in a, a in an hour and a bit north of toronto yeah in ontario canada we do not live in miami florida i know we do not live in la um but all of my friends, a lot of my friends, are Americans. Yeah. Most of my social circle is American. You and Steve and these people I talk to, every, I talk to every day. My best friends are all Americans. Mm. And um, my thoughts and my opinions of COVID are clouded by the American experience, even though it is completely different. Yes than here yeah and i should be significantly less scared than i am in some ways yeah um you know we have a very small amount of cases in my region uh, maybe like 10 or 12 yeah uh if that and they're all like contained they're all contact traced you know like the the actual director the regional health director for our whole i think i've said this before is my next door neighbor mm. <laughs> so awesome. so like he he lives right beside us so like I, I i know if things are bad because you know he's right there um so uh. but i but i but i still have this like tension because everyone i talk to is american yeah, yeah. um and and but you know so i keep having to remind myself mike it's it's probably going to be okay um, there are like hardly any cases mm. in our area at all. Um, you know, Cheryl, where Cheryl teaches is a little bit worse, but even then it's not like it's not substantially anything. worse. Yeah. It, it, so, I uh, mean, um, you know, we're all gonna try to figure out what the hell to do. Yeah. It's and it's be a an little ongoing bit scary, discussion, but, um, we will, uh, listen in, in, in eight weeks, we'll be back here. And chatting about it, and we'll we'll see what happens, I guess, <laughs> or not. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> oh God, dark. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, let's 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 lighten the yeah. load a little bit. When we friends, when we come back, uh, one of our uh, best friends, uh, Steve Isaacs, will join us. So stay tuned. All right, everyone, welcome back. To the podcast, our guest this week doesn't really need an introduction, but I feel so <laughs> socially obligated to offer one, anyways. Uh, Steve Isaacs joins us on the podcast this week. He's a, an educator, one of the finest educators on the planet uh, from New Jersey, nice. <laughs> um, and he is. Uh, you know, I spend more time with Steve Isaacs than I do with my family these days. Uh, anyways, welcome, welcome to the podcast, uh, Steve. Thanks, Mike. Glenn, good to yeah. see you guys. I'm actually surprised, Steve, that you came on to the show, being the, how much time you already do spend with Mike. Yeah, especially hours after and this hours weekend. And hours. <laughs> yes, especially so, after the marathon of like 
uh, being with each other for really long periods of time, at least virtually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So how, how long was that, Steve? How long that, did we spend together? That was 24 hours straight, Mike. Uh, like without uh I mean we both did it. We no 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 napping, no uh you know, maybe an occasional bathroom break or run downstairs to get, you know, another something to drink or a snack, but we were together for 24 hours straight Dang. playing games. What were you guys doing besides playing games? Tell us about it. <laughs> raising money, raising money, yeah, oh. yeah. We, we raised, raised we raised twenty seven hundred dollars uh, for Extra Life uh, Charity, which is a charity that uh, supports children's hospitals specifically. Mm. Um, so we raised uh, twenty, just under twenty seven hundred dollars, which is pretty awesome. Had a lot of big donors. Yeah, we um, did. Had, had a lot of other don't like just a lot of people came out and donated. Glenn Irvin donated. Um, we had a lot of we had a lot of great donors. And, Mark Otter. Um, Mark Otter donated. Mark Otter donated. Thank you, Deb, Mark Otter. Grandma Deb. Grandma Deb. Grandma Deb. <laughs> she she took it. She took it, and and she overtook Stephen Reed, who was ridiculously generous as well. Wow. Um, yeah, we had. You know, people are just, you know, I just love when you see the heart that people have when you're doing something like that, because mm -hmm. uh, it was really tremendously generous, um, a lot of the donations, and people really, really were were excited to help and, and behind the cause, so that's really special. What a reminder that community can be found in any kind of place and in any sort of way, and that it's like when you when you do something meaningful to people uh for people or with people um you know they respond when you kind of say okay we're trying to do this now can you come and be part of that and you know so you know we've been you and i have been streaming almost mm -hmm. every day yeah since since march Mm. Um, almost every day we took we've taken a little bit of time off but not very much not much and and you know, building up this great, you know, professional learning community on the uh, participate Twitch stream. And, you know, and then so when it comes time for us to say, listen, we want to do this thing. Uh, we want to raise some money. We want to play. And it's like at least well, think about who stayed like Brad Schreffler yeah. stayed up with us almost the whole time. Yep. Um, Mark um, Henkel stayed up with us quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Eric Leiter. Eric Leitner did a lot. I mean, he, <laughs> Eric Leitner was probably with us as much as he could have, took a short sleep, then had to teach a professional development thing, you know, for seven hours and then jumped right back on and was wow. with us till the end. Um, Amanda, I think you might have mentioned her, but like up at like four in the morning with us after probably going to bed after, you know, midnight, you know, it was great. Uh, Becky mm. was with us a lot. Um, you know, and just so many people popping in. Uh, Deirdre stopped in. Deirdre Kornstrom, you know, from the Minecraft education team. Um, gosh, so many. I had a few students. That was really, really fun. That's super a few, cool. Yeah, a few former students that um, were. So it's interesting. You know, I used to, um, my wife and I used to own a computer training and gaming center. Uh -huh. And we built, talk about community, right, Mike? So there, I mean, we created this amazing affinity space for these kids in a town that had nothing to do mm. 20 plus years ago. Um, and, and these kids, you know, have such fond memories of those days. And a few of them jumped in the stream. One of them we had on 
on voice with us for a while and uh you know it's heartwarming for sure big time pretty incredible we um yeah so pretty exciting we raised so much money and had so many people but you know so let's talk about the streaming for a little bit i guess Mm -hmm. um you know we've been doing this thing every day um and you know you had this idea and i think we both had the idea of the same thing at the same time kind of thing and it was it worked out super well that we were able to kind of work together on it um you were kind of trying to teach your kids yep um i'm trying to teach adults and right. you know we can kind of do both. Well, I, and um, I always and, adults were always in my like my my passion was always to both reach students but also bring in educators and kind of do that co learning. Um, but it did. It started out like I think when I thought I was going to be home for two weeks, <laughs> I sort of made a commitment like I'll stream every day for those two weeks, so it'll provide something that's worthwhile for all my kids. That that coincides with what we're learning because we've been focused on content creation and when i said that mike you reached out to me and said hey let's do this together and and we started planning and um two weeks became the rest of the school year became Mm -hmm. the whole summer and now we're just trying to figure out how to keep going but just alter the hours to keep accommodating our schedule but uh you're right so having kids and adults learning and that whole idea of, of, of what professional development could look like, right? And that's kind of, I think, our mission. I think Twitch is still a really new space, too. Um, many people don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about adults. Yeah. I'm not talking about kids because kids know what it is. Um, and for that space to be a place where you can, like you guys just said, uh, have live professional development in this case it's super awesome it's game-based learning um and you can basically not only watch something but interact with it too so that's that's kind of like the when i was trying to explain twitch to my wife (laughs) it was actually difficult because it was like it's kind of like tv except you actually talk to the people that are doing (laughs) the things she's like oh that's weird and i'm like yeah it is kind of weird but i was like but it's kind of cool then too because then you are actually having this dialogue between you and the person now in most cases it's it's with video games but now it's expanded to everything i mean the the channel or the the streams are, are a huge variety of different things and, and why not education so tell us more about that because that's really interesting as far as that avenue for people um for you guys to have taken basically a, a bad situation and turned it on its head and then and then been able to say okay we're going to use this though we have a, a bad situation we're going to use this stream or this ability this channel to be able to go ahead and, and and deliver professional development i mean that's yeah that's what we're trying to do yeah um so i thought i was waiting i was giving mike a chance i figured he might you know want to jump in but um i mean mike says it great mike always talks about how we're trying to change the paradigm of what professional learning might be like. Now, it works out perfectly for us because we both have this mindset about the importance of um, learning communities and learning together and building community. Um, That's always been something I've been excited about. Like, you know, you go back to the Twitter chats and such, right? And that also makes me think of right now the eSports EDU. Um, Way back, you know, I was involved when they started the chat and then, and it was kind of a slow growing chat. 
And then they just recently moved it to Twitch. And it's the perfect space for that. And just mm-hmm. like you said, Glenn, the p- fact they have like four people kind of having a conversation, which is a little more exciting than just throwing out Q1, Q2, mm-hmm. Q3, Q4, Q5. It's and the then, evolution. And then the chat is lively. And, and it, 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 it also allows it to to morph into whatever it's supposed to that day. And I think that's what Mike and I find a lot is that we might start somewhere and we're going to go where the audience kind of also takes us, right? Like they're an active part of, of what we're going to end up doing. Um, and it's really, it's really interesting. And, you know, and we're not, I mean, we'll be the first to tell you very often that we're tinkering around learning while we go, hopefully modeling what learning could look like. Um, all about constructivist learning. So we're big again, and that's where that community comes in. Like we've had times where we were working on something and we hit a little bit of a block and somebody in the chat says, you know, Oh, why don't you try this? And it, boom, you know, it, it helps. It gets us on the path. And, and then we felt like we were all in it together and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. We, you know, you want people to feel like they're part of something. Um, And when, when people feel like they're, part of something you know agency like so we we frame all these things as we talk about with students right we talk about agency with students we talk about you know engagement for students we talk about letting our students learn however they want whenever they want right we talk about our students you know feeling empowered you know why in the hell don't we think that any of this stuff applies to adults um, I mean, it's just, of course it does. It all applies to adults. I mean, adults need to feel agency in their learning. Adults need to feel engaged. They need to feel empowered. They need to feel like they can express what they've learned in whatever way they feel like they can. And so, you know, when we build, you know, a platform on on Participate where people can you know, type and discuss and like read people's thoughts and then respond to those thoughts. Or we have a video where people can watch and then share and talk. Or we have a podcast where people can listen and then, and then, you know, disseminate that information or share it or then go back to one of those other sources and, and continue the conversation. I mean, this is what adults want. And I mean, the the idea just one more thing the idea you know you know of of twitch is that you know 20 years from now our students are going to be our adults and they are going to be completely comfortable with the way we're doing things now so we're we're building you know this kind of structure for the future yeah did you see um brian sanders tweet today um it was something like uh you know i have a new a new model for professional development you know, it's called a uh, teacher tinker time, you know, or something. And the, the the premise was, let's give teachers time to to play and explore and whatever. I think that really gets at the heart of what we're trying to do as well, because, you know, people are playing along with us. They're learning with us. You know, I mean, when you think of people like Amanda and the amount of time she's dedicating to spending, you know, with us and 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 feeling, I think, pretty pumped about what she's learning and then you know expanding upon you know and that that's refreshing to us i mean to me like i feed so much off of that so you know i think 
you know, we have this, especially right now where we're talking about things like remote learning and a flipped model and things like, I don't really want to just talk to, um, to nobody and put out a video and then have my kids watch that. Um, you know, it might be effective for delivering content, but not for exciting me about the process, you know, mm. and, and, and all that. So, mm. you know, I think that's what we're, I think that's, what's been super cool. And, and, uh, I think we kind of knew that it could be, and I think we're seeing it grow. And I think we're, I think the more people that start to kind of get exposed to it, because like you said, Glenn, Twitch is new to a lot of people. And <laughs> in a lot of times, in a lot of ways, it's just as easy as, Hey, there's a link on Twitter. If I click on it, maybe I'll end up there, you know, because that's really all it takes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to find us. Um, but you're right even today. And that, that might be a good segue to the, uh, the game study stuff. But, um, Matt Farber was funny because, you know, he's done a gazillion webinars and things. And before we got on today, he said, you know, I've never been on Twitch, you know, like, what do I have to do? And it was like, no, 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 don't worry. Just, you know, just, be there like you're on Zoom or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and and let's do our thing. Yeah, the the barrier to entry is super low for this. So, I mean, what you don't got to do anything. You got to do what you've normally done, which is right. great. Mike makes it so easy too. Mike Mike sends you a link and says, "Click this, have Click your camera this. on and your mic on, and mm-hmm. and and you'll magically be on Twitch. <laughs> you're a star." <laughs> What what else is going on, Steve? What else you got? I I, I know, but the audience doesn't yeah. know. So let's let's share all the other stuff that's been happening because there's happening in the past and, yeah. and what do you got going on in the future? Because you, if there's one thing about Steve Isaac's friends, if you if you've never met Steve Isaac's or come across him or interacted with him, he's he's always doing stuff. Um, and there's always lots going on in this dude's world. So, uh, so you should definitely share all the, the cool things that are happening. Yeah. So thank you. Um, it was, again, this, this COVID thing, um, opened up a lot of like interesting, uh, opportunities that, and it's funny, there were a lot of tweets earlier about people saying things like they didn't want people talking about COVID as presenting opportunities. I don't know if you remember that. And it Mm -hmm. made me try to watch what I said or something. But um but I see it as the 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 unanticipated outcome is is some positive positive things, right? So kids were stuck at home. Um and, you know, I've been involved in esports and things and we early on, um Eric Leitner, it started with with him having this idea to do a Minecraft uh COVID build challenges. So he set up like a flip grid environment and then we um he invited me and, and Kathy in to 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 work with him and we added a number of challenges. So we ended up with six of these challenges and then we um Nasef, who was also looking to kind of shift their thinking at this time to like building community and, and looking at competition and things differently. So we partnered with them and, and created this great worldwide challenge, um, which really, it was neat. Like we got a ton of entries, but then the folks that they're associated with in Mexico City and Mexico, and Mexico got very interested. Um, in fact, Glenn, we almost had you, um, doing some of the video content. I remember, yes. uh, yep. for that. And we, so the, the, um, the Mexico, the affiliates in Mexico got very excited. And we got, I think like, gosh, it might have been like 
thousands or, or seventeen hundred or something entries from Mexico for for that challenge. Um, and that was like this second running of it, like essentially exclusively for Mexico. Mm. And um, then that led us to <laughs> to the the Minecraft face off, which and Mike's been with us. All, all the way um, with participate, you know, supporting the streaming and all that. But we did the the um, the the NASEF, uh Minecraft face off, which was again we had now the NHL interested in engaging their fans at a time when they couldn't go to games. So we did a number of Minecraft build challenges around hockey and got some also great great cool. um, entries like arenas with playable hockey games, you mm. know, in them and stuff. Um, and then we moved on to what was called the Minecraft Masters, which uh, was kind of modeled after like the Lego Masters or like some of the like robotics type competitions. And we um, opened it up to entries from around the world. And the, the idea was going to be to take representatives, um, the top four uh, teams from different countries were going to represent their countries in the this live Minecraft Masters event and um turned out we had um a team from Mexico, the UK, Egypt and Israel um were the four that made it to that part and we had four rounds of live, you know, um you know, uh shoutcasted Minecraft uh goodness with uh, all sorts of different, you know, challenges that also dealt with redstone and commands and command blocks and the final one was two teams creating fully playable games in a span of three and a half hours uh they mm. had a few days to plan it but they had to start fresh um for the live event it was fun we uh you know mike was uh behind the wheel of all the production and we i think had a really good time you know and it was neat to work with these teams because some of them you got to know i mean we worked with the same teams for like the four weeks of that part. Um, and then now coming up, um, we have a big uh, project with the Rube Goldberg Foundation. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I had been doing a lot with my students uh, creating Rube Goldberg machines in both Fortnite Creative and Minecraft. And I always tweet out student work. And I was for a while just tagging Rube Goldberg because they were Rube Goldberg machines. Mm hmm. And um, Rube Goldberg's granddaughter, Jennifer George, who runs the Rube Goldberg Foundation, reached out essentially to kind of like ask for some some, you know, guidance, because what they wanted to do, it was their dream to take they do this physical. Have you ever seen? It's so neat. The physical Rube Goldberg yeah. challenges that They're are out amazing. there that families participated in this year. I mean, really amazing. Mm -hmm. And every year they do one, and it's a pretty big deal. And they, generally speaking, have a live culminating event with the 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 um the top teams. Uh, but they also wanted to do a digital one, and of course, the timing couldn't be better for that. So we're now once again with NASEF and participate doing um a whole. School. It's going to span the whole school year. We're doing mm. in the fall. We're having a number of uh, live streamed sessions where we're going to talk about simple machines and talk about how we might be able to make functional simple machines in Minecraft. And each week after one of those sessions, there will be a contest for people to submit. Um, you know, something that utilizes that individual simple machine. And then from January to April will be the full blown online competition where um teams will submit full-on rube goldberg machines with wow. a theme um and you know so they'll be doing it both in 
you know, some teams will do the physical one, and then mm-hmm. we're going to get all these teams to do the digital version in Minecraft. That's so, ridiculous. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Mm. So we're excited about that. The uh, building a Rube Goldberg machine is hard, you know, just normally building yeah. it in Minecraft. It's funny you you've had students who have built them, and they're it's it's just unbelievable. So pretty excited about that. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be wild. Would, would, would you say rad, maybe? It, it might be rad. <laughs> it's an inside joke. You're going to have to go to twitch.tv slash inside participate. That's right. To learn more, that's uh, twitch.tv slash inside participate. <laughs> twitch.tv slash inside. So, and I did, I also alluded to um, earlier, and then just we, we kind of went on to this other stuff, but we're right now doing our second um, game study, which uh, allows us to watch Mike play a game. And um, <laughs> the way you said and, that sounds so funny. <laughs> yeah, and we. I guess and, it's true, but you know. But no, but it's it's been it's neat. So 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 essentially, Mike is each time Mike has been playing the game. So the first one was um, Gone Home, which Mike hadn't played, and a lot of educators have used Gone Home in really neat ways in the classroom, including Paul Darvasi and. Um, and uh, Jonathan Spike and others, and they both joined us for that six-week thing. And we even had the one of the developers join us for a couple of sessions, and mm. she was great. Mm-hmm. And that was really neat. So Mike's playing the game, and we're getting insights from the developer and talking about it. And at the same time, in an asynchronous manner, we lead a discussion in the game-based learning community and participate. So basically, each week, we play live for an hour and talk about it while it's going um and then also have the ongoing discussion so right now we're doing a night in the woods and that's a really neat game a lot of um mental health uh topics and sel kind of stuff and in a very in an interesting approach uh it's a neat game i think mike probably um you know got into it a bit today i i I think i'm about where you are you know from the time that i've played so far and now we'll be playing, discussing, and kind of is a take on like the you know a book study type idea. But but why not games as a form of media and literature and such? Yeah. So do, do you guys end up uh, discussing obviously the educational aspects of it of how are you going to apply it to a classroom? Yeah, you, good question there because right now we have um, Zach. What's Zach's last name? Hartsman, I think. Zach Hartsman. Zach Hartsman, who has written curriculum around the game and uses it in the classroom. So we have his insights there. We have uh, Dr. Matthew Farber, who um, is all about game-based learning, and he was the one who initially um, recommended it. And we have um, Dr. Kelly Dunlap, who is a clinical psychologist and college professor who uses games extensively in her teaching. Um, so yes, so the idea is like, where can these, and these are, 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 it's funny, I say deep games because they really are, but, um, but, you know, but they allow for a lot of, you know, really, um, important conversations. And again, it's like, you know, we, we, we look at these novels and we talk about the setting and the theme and the plot and the character characterization and all of those things. And, they all apply so beautifully to some of these games. So, um, you know, we're just using it as a form of media. Mm. It's funny. Um, 
what I've liked about the game studies, both games, is that I, I guarantee you there are people that have played both of these games and just, like, jammed through them, went and played them, and not thought anything about the stuff that we're talking mm. about. And that's what's so great about having, you know, Paul and John and and then Kelly and and, and Matt Zach. and Zach on, is that is that these people are thinking deeply about these games and um and there is depth to both yes. of these games and the funny thing about both of these games is that they're they're also fairly short mm-hmm. um you know we played through gone home in in just under 6 hours and right. we'll play through night in the woods in about the same amount of time um yeah. but the but the actual depth of the content is is astounding to be completely honest we i mean even just in the 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 stream we did today, I mean, there was like, it was like interrelational parental, yes, you know, relationships. There was, um, you know, uh, designer choice as, as far as how characters are are mm. perceived. Um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the 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 main character herself, and like tons of tons of really deep interesting questions that are worth talking about and you can see why a game like this um is better called you know a a, a an interactive novel than almost yeah. anything um, so true and there's there's tons of depth to this game which is amazing that, that is interesting when you bring that up too about the the type of game like i think we've moved in such interesting directions with what a game can be in terms of the the way it is experienced, um, you know, because even think of like I remember when I first played any of the Telltale games, um, like Walking Dead. I mean, I felt like for me, you know, it was I was involved in the story and the narrative rather than just consuming it. But yet, it wasn't a whole lot of action. It was a lot of you know, thought and decisions and the decisions sometimes don't even really matter that much. But, you know, we talked today about how that does give the player agency, just being able to be involved in those decisions. And, um, but I do think it, yeah. And like Mike said, I mean, the, some of the, the, the topics that you can get into with a lot of games is really meaningful. Um, and it it might be a, a, it's probably a good way for a lot of people to explore some of these, tougher topics and you know empathy and 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 relatedness when it comes to like mental illness like i think there's a lot of people who you know can relate to what these characters are going through and it kind of opens up this thing like you know i'm always thinking that i'm you know alone in this struggle and you know when we can open find an avenue to open up that dialogue and we got to do it carefully i mean it's really great that we have somebody like kelly involved and and I think you have to be careful as an educator not to just open up these you know big topics without thought and without possibly the support you need but um but if done properly it's it's really I mean well definitely powerful so often Steve in schools when we talk about social emotional learning or anything of these kind of very important but deep topics I think a lot of districts reach out and have reached out in the past to kind of these canned curriculum mm. things. Uh, and often that those things are are quickly rejected by our students because they can see right through them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They already know totally. it's fake. 
and it's and it's very difficult then also too for the educators because they don't believe in it either. So when you don't even believe in it, but you're expected to deliver something, it's really difficult. And and that's the times when I think things like obviously we've done it in the past with like literature, and now adapting that too. You know, when when you have like these English teachers, these literature teachers that are teaching these wonderful concepts in these novels but then relating it back to the students' lives mm. those are powerful moments those exact same moments are happening within these games and that's the part where if you can pull those items and then be able to have those deep discussions with the kids in class that's really the essence of like fantastic teaching and learning but in this case too using an actual game as you just described uh, as a as in not only an art form, but as a educational tool. And mm-hmm. I think that's where, at, at, if people are listening to the podcast, they're like, I never could see a video game, you know, a thing <laughs> as this kind of thing where it could be used for those purposes. But my goodness, it, in so many cases it can, and the kids relate to it too. Mm-hmm. It's not right. something that they just dismiss. It's more like, hey, yeah, I want to talk about that more. Let's let's discuss that, and then it becomes then the conversation about them, not the game anymore, uh, which is exactly the kind of stuff that we are expected as educators to to do that to check in with our kids. But it's mm-hmm. super complex and difficult to do. I don't know if there's a question there, but <laughs> right, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I I was hanging on to your every word, Glenn, because I agree a hundred percent. I think it comes down to the the truth that we can use games as text. Hmm. Um, I think we've always been talking about how it's just a different form of media, and like you said, if that's what's if we're able to reach our kids better that way, yes. you know, that's where we need to be 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 providing an opportunity you know it doesn't mean we're not going to study literature but it's it's a very valid form of um of narrative that you know in text that and art that should be um you know really leveraged in that way for sure so steve if people want to go ahead and connect with you they aren't already connected with you on social media or they want to learn more about you and the things that you're actually working on because there's so many amazing things that you just uh talk to our audience about how can they connect with you? Uh, so absolutely Twitter. I mean, that's my 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 second home um, or my first home. Uh, <laughs> so it's at Mr. Under, like M-R underscore Isaacs, I-S-A-A-C-S on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, guys. It was always good to be with you. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. 
This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.